Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix coming up here momentarily, but we do have some breaking jazz news. Gordon, uh, this is coming from Jazz PR. A handful of jazz players participated in voluntary individual workouts today at Zions Bank Basketball Campus in accordance with Utah Department of Health and NBA regulations. So the jazz did uh, return to somewhat of a workout for some players at the practice facility, which uh, we talked a lot about it last week. It, it might be a baby step, but it is a step. Yeah, and Dennis Lindsay said it as much like you were talking about. And, and yeah, that seems like the way they're treating that facility over there is that that would be a safe place for a certain number of players to uh, to work out. So that is good news. All right, it's time for your daily assist. Let's get to it. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist, featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix, on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Your daily assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. They make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now from Sports Illustrated, our friend Chris Mannix. Happy Monday, Chris. How are you? What's going on, guys? Hey, Chris, we just got news uh, literally minutes ago that the Jazz officially did uh, uh, open up their practice facility. In fact, I'll read this uh, word for word again. A handful of Utah Jazz players participated in voluntary individual workouts today at Zions Bank Basketball Campus in accordance with Utah Department of Health and NBA regulation. Your thoughts on uh, some of these teams uh, trying to do what they can to get their players in? Yeah, it's no surprise um, when when teams – when states and cities and municipalities are allowing this type of stuff, there's no reason that the NBA uh, shouldn't be proactive in getting their players into safe and sanitized facilities. I mean, we've talked about this over the last few weeks. I mean, the last thing the NBA wants is to see, you know, Donovan Mitchell pop up at an Equinox to get a workout in because he wants to work out and the team facility is closed. There's just no reason that in a controlled environment, these players can't start trickling in. And look, I've talked to people and seen some of the rules that that the league is putting in place. I mean, you really are kind of isolated while you're doing these workouts. But, you know, players, you know, I know and are chomping at the bit to to get any kind of action in. Uh, So this is, uh, in addition to being good for, you know, the integrity of the game, if it comes back in the next couple of months, it certainly is a safety measure to have these players, um, you know, go into a controlled environment. So the NBA essentially has told its players that there are only bad options, Chris, as it explores, uh, you know, resuming play, whatever the options are. Are you, uh, let's get your weekly update. Uh, how are you feeling about uh, the possibility of a postseason? You've said it from the beginning that you thought that that's essentially what it was going to be and it was going to be somehow truncated. What are your thoughts now? 
Yeah, I'm much more optimistic now about a eventual postseason than I was, you know, any time in the past. I mean, the the call Adam Silver had with the players had a number of revelations, but it, the revelation that I took the, the the hardest, the strongest, was the sense that players got that the NBA was willing to stretch this out as long as it took to get a playoffs in. Uh, you know, there there really doesn't seem to be any kind of urgency you know, within the league to have the season start next year anywhere close to on time. In fact, there's some people that believe within the league that the later it starts, the better. I mean, if you start in January or hell, even February, uh, there's a better chance of you know, getting that fan revenue back than if you start in November or even December. So, you know, players that I talked to came away with this, this sense that, that, you know, this could be something that, you know, in mid to late June – they could make a call on even early July. They could make a call on. So obviously things have to improve dramatically for for the NBA to even uh, think about coming back. I mean, look, we're talking about players trickling into practice facilities. You got to get them playing five on five um, in these training sites to, to to even think about playing. But I'll tell you what. I mean that that it, it really I really got the sense off you know hearing about that call and talking to people that that listen to it that. You know, the, the league was, was committed to finding a way to finish the season and finishing it with, you know, a seven-game first round, seven-game second round all throughout. I mean, they, they really want to have a traditional postseason and are willing to wait as long as possible to do it. Chris Mannix with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Chris, I, I read uh, about Major League Baseball's plan to to get started again, and I, I read another piece about how it might be difficult, actually, to get the Players Association and the league on the same page to do it, and they were specifically mentioning a 50-50 revenue split, which players have never agreed to a revenue split before, and that might be the challenge. But as far as the NBA goes, does it seem like the league and the Players Association are on the same pl- page to you know, work together toward accomplishing this? Well, I think they're on the same page, but all it takes is one issue that they can't get past to, you know, change that, all that. And, you know, right now, you look at the, the relationship between Michelle Roberts and Adam Silver is much more civil and I think stronger than the relationship between David Stern and Roberts' predecessor, Billy Hunter. Um, so that they communicate a lot. Chris Paul and Adam Silver have a strong relationship, but you know, when, when Adam Silver on that player's call said that the NBA gets 40% of it, their revenue from, you know, gate receipts, I, that felt to me like a strong message to players. Like, we're losing a lot of money here. So you're going to have to, you know, do your part in making up the difference. Because, you know, when I talk to ownership sources, you know, one thing that keeps coming up is, yeah, owners are going to lose money off the NBA, but a lot of these owners own their buildings. And those buildings you know, usually provide several sources of ancillary revenue, whether it's a hockey team or uh, concerts or or whatever, that revenue's gone too. So owners, I think, are going to draw some pretty hard lines in these upcoming kind of talks about the finances that I can certainly see players bumping into and and taking issue with. So, look, I mean, we've we've seen negotiations for a collective bargaining agreement that, you know, began years in advance, you know, get bumpy even towards the end. This is effectively a new collective bargaining agreement they're going to have to draw up in the next six to eight weeks. Uh, and certainly in that type of timeline, with the type of changes that need to be made, I think you're going to see some, some differencing of opinion and, and some pushback from the players and some of the things owners want. 
Chris, in your conversations with various players around the league, do you get the sense that they are eager to play again? Very. You know, I, I read the quote from Shaq and I've seen, you know, stuff that Mark Cuban said. I really think those types of comments are outliers in all this. Um, you know, look, there's a lot of reasons why owners want to get back. I mean, I think the most significant one is to, you know, help out with those local TV contracts and national contracts that they are going to have obligations to one way or the other, whether they're fulfilled in a shortened finish to this season or into next season. So that's part of the motivation. And players, look, they want to get paid. And, and they know that, that those checks are already starting to get garnished and they'll continue to be garnished as, as time goes on and no games take place. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of money that's going to be lost no matter what. But playing games is one way to mitigate that loss. And I think as everybody, or at least the vast majority of the people on the same page. Chris, how ticklish is the testing issue? I know they want to, you know, have testing be a key component in the return, but also don't want to appear as if they're taking tests away from folks that need them. How critical is that issue before things can go? Oh, I mean, it's, it's everything really. And it's not an issue of getting the tests, right? Like the NBA can buy whatever they want. I mean, they, they can find a private outfit to sell them the 10,000 or 15,000 or 20,000 tests, whatever it is they need. Um, they have the resource to go out there and do it. But, you know, all along, the message I've been, getting, I've been getting is that, you know, if the optics are bad in all this, uh, they're not going to, they're not going to come back. I mean, they're not going to buy 15,000 tests to play a postseason in Vegas while New York and Michigan and California are underwater and, and people in urban areas that, you know, make up a lot of the demographics of, of their fan base are, are struggling to get tests. Um, a couple things have happened. You know, the, the testing has certainly improved. It's not, it's not where it needs to be, but it's trending at least in the right direction, especially with this, these antibody tests that are out there now. Um, and I think that another takeaway from the last couple of days is I feel like the NBA has moved the goalposts a little bit on – where testing needs to be for them to come back. I mean, you know, weeks ago when this thing first started roaring, I was hearing, you know, like, look, it's got to be widespread. You've got to see it as available as popping into a CVS or a Walgreens and, and being able to get a test. Now you see the NBA allowing teams in Orlando and Los Angeles and, and soon many others to test asymptomatic people and, and players, um, staffers and players rather. So, the fact that they're willing to allow that for asymptomatic people uh, tells me that the goalposts have moved a little bit here, that, that if testing just improves to a, a certain level, the NBA is going to be willing to you know, open up its checkbook, buy the tests it needs, and get it done a lot, of, a lot of the same ways that the UFC got it done this past weekend. So, Chris, I know you have a killer crossover. I know you can hit the 24-foot jumper. I, I know you have great court vision. Would you have loved to play alongside Michael Jordan? Uh, you know, I, I think after it was over, like most of the players in this documentary, I, I would have loved to because I would have probably walked away a better player. I would have probably walked away with, you know, the championships. And, and that's something you can look back on that nobody can ever take away from you. I mean, I, how many championships Bill Wennington have? Three? You know, I mean, yeah. there are guys that – they rode the bench, you know, with Jordan that, that you know, collected rings and, and have those accomplishments. But at the time, 
Yeah, not, not so much. But you could say the same thing about a lot of the players that are like that. I mean, Kobe was a lot like that. Very difficult to to deal with. He and Shaq collided on a lot of those things. Um, I, I think you certainly argue in their time, Carl Malone, John Stockton probably had issues with some teammates along the way. LeBron has not rubbed every teammate the right way in all his time there. I mean, it's great players demand greatness. I mean, Jordan did it at the highest possible level, but go back to Bird and Magic and Russell and I mean, read books about the Russell Celtics back in the day, what he dragged out of his teammates. I mean, you know, greatness wants greatness, and, and they'll do whatever it takes to bring it out of you. Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated with us here on the 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Chris, what do you think about the, the story that's going around out there? Apparently John Stockton uh, did interview for this docuseries, uh, but did it kind of right before this whole COVID mess started, right at the at the last minute. And uh, there's a story out there that he was resistant because he did not want to be in a, in a Michael Jordan, and these are his words, puff piece. What do you think about John Stockton's attitude toward it all? <laughs> I mean, look, it's understandable. Um, you know, I, I think Puff Piece might be a little strong, but it certainly is a documentary that's done through the prism that Michael Jordan chooses to let us see it through. Um, he's an executive producer of this doc. You know, you've heard the director say he has had to ask Michael's permission to interview certain people. And there's certainly a number of things you can question right off the bat. I mean, I question... You know, there's really nobody defending Jerry Krause in this entire documentary. I mean, maybe episodes 9 and 10, you know, bring something out. But you'd like to see somebody defend a guy that, you know, built the championship team that exists in Chicago. I mean, Jordan's getting plenty of credit. How about the guy that drafted, you know, Pippen and and Horace Grant and traded for Dennis Rodman and, you know, ID'd Tony Kukoc when, when when he ID'd him and brought him into the mix? I mean, he had some misses, to be sure, but that's some great, you know, general managership. And, look, there are some other little things that you can nitpick on. I mean, look, there, like, Jack McCallum, my colleague over at Sports Illustrated, has uh, a podcast series out right now. It's really good. And it, in it, he has, like, he has audio of Michael Jordan, and I'm paraphrasing that. I've only read about it. I haven't listened to it. But he has audio of Jordan saying, uh, effectively, I kept Isaiah off the team, the 92 Dream Team. So, like... If you know that exists, and in, in a way it exists because even if you didn't have the podcast audio, you can interview Jack McCallum. I mean, Jack McCallum is a Hall of Fame basketball writer who was like the voice of basketball for the better part of two decades. Maybe interview him and get his take on all that. I mean, there, there certainly was a measure of, of objectivity missing. But, look, that's the way it goes in, in documentaries nowadays. It's unfortunate because, you know, I think the best documentaries are done when they're completely objective – but nowadays, whether it's Kobe Bryant's Muse documentary or, you know, some of the, the later year Muhammad Ali stuff, I mean, it's to get cooperation from these athletes, you need to work with them. And working with them taints the objectivity of it. So it sounds like John Stockton has the same mindset and, and thought, thought process of this as Ken Burns did, you know, when Ken Burns said what he said uh, about the documentary. So you just have to understand when you're watching it, be entertained by it. It's great theater. Michael is incredibly compelling when he's on camera. But understand, you're not getting the unvarnished truth. Man, I'll tell you, that one part when he was saying he was sort of justifying his way of leader leadership, uh, Chris, like you were talking about, demanding greatness from his players, from his teammates, I mean, and, and uh, just driving the team forward. 
at the end when he when he had that moment that really seemed I don't think he's a good enough actor to fake it when he said, "Hey, if you don't want to play the way I wanted to play for championships, yeah. then you don't have to." And then he he gets emotional and he says, "Break." Uh, at that moment, it reminded me who was in control of this production. But secondly, it really said that his competitiveness and his demands placed upon his teammates came from, from deep within. It wasn't some sort of show. It, it, he meant it. No, he, he absolutely meant it. And look, again, he's not the first superstar to operate like this. I mean, Larry Bird... You know, in the middle of a finals, called his teammates a bunch of women. Like this is these guys, these stars are cut from a different cloth. They just are, and and because they are so driven and work so unbelievably hard at succeeding, they expect you to do it, or else they don't want you on their team. And look, I, I get Michael's approach to to practices. If you're not going to be physical in practice and take bumps in practice, how are you going to succeed against the New York Knicks? I mean, you practice effectively what you preach. You've got to go out there and, and face the most physical guys in the world. You might as well train for it in that particular manner. So I, I, I can respect you know, everything he did. It's not, it's not for everybody. I mean, Tim Duncan was a pretty damn good leader and won a lot of championships, and you know, he was never like that. But uh, for a lot of guys throughout the years, that's been their way of leadership, and a lot of times it's been effective. From your study, uh, Chris, did you think that the media treated Jordan fairly during those that period of time when his father was murdered and then he went off to play baseball? Do you think he was because I got a little bit of the edge going the other way that the media was out of line with uh, with some of those uh, either suspicions or accusations? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I certainly wasn't around covering that at the time, but uh, you know, I saw Brian McIntyre, who was the former head of PR, a guy I have a lot of respect for. I, I worked with him uh, as a reporter and as he was a league official for a number of years. And you know, I think he said something along the lines that it wasn't the media's finest hour. Look, unless you have hard evidence or unless there is a credible report that connects, you know, Jordan's gambling to the death of his father, it is reprehensible to try to connect the two because what you're doing is effectively saying that Jordan is responsible for the death of his father. And that, that's a pretty scumbag thing to say at the least, and certainly a, a poor journalistic or poor ethical thing to do um, is, no matter what. So, yeah, I mean, some of the headlines I saw and some of the, the, the columns that were shown on there, it, it, it's not a good look. It's just, I mean, you've got to, if you're going to connect those dots, you better have a credible source or there better be credible reporting that as a columnist you're parroting uh, to, to, to make those types of insinuations. Chris, as always, thank you so very much, and we'll catch up with you next week. Anytime, guys. Chris Mannix joins us each and every Monday here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yeah, he hit that pretty hard, that uh, Jordan's leadership style, that's one way to do it, and that there have been other demanding players before Jordan, and there will be more that will have and will come uh, after him. Uh, You don't have to do it that way. Like he said, Tim Duncan probably didn't lead that way. But uh, for Jordan, that was the way he chose to go. And some of his teammates were uh, a little irritated by that. I think Horace Grant was one of them, but uh, others probably along the way. You heard the way they spoke of Jordan, and yet, like Chris just said, they've got rings on their fingers because of him.
Gordon, as, as the godfather of uh, Utah Sports Radio and uh, a leader on this station, how would you describe your leadership style? Hey, it's <laughs> it's balls to the walls, man. Pretty hard-nosed. I, Pretty oh, hard-nosed. Come on! Shape up! Let's just say that... that uh, you know, you you follow Gordon or a physical altercation is coming your way. I'm not asking anybody else on this stage to do anything that I don't do myself. All right. I, I just want to make that clear. All right. I, you can call me all the names in the world, but we're not the best radio station in Utah for nothing. Tell him about the time you punched Kevin in the face. Oh, well, I didn't do anything he didn't deserve. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Big thanks to uh, Chris for jumping on with us. Uh, We'll get more for you coming up next. Don't forget what's going on at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your Monday. Want to remind you about our good friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call today, 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Action Plumbing. Gordon, uh, some of the Pac-12 football coaches uh, participated in a conference call zoom what 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 are we calling that these days online teleconference sure but it's not over the phone so it wouldn't be a teleconference uh i've you know zoom meeting that's what uh that's what i've heard of course there are other services too so beats me apparently usc head coach clay hilton said the conference has talked about potentially having the league play only conference games 11 games Mm -hmm where all the teams from the conference play each other. Um, interesting, you know, obviously this would be a good solution for Utah. BYU, however, is contracted to play three Pac-12 teams next year. Yes, Utah, Arizona State, and Stanford. So, I mean, BYU, it, it's going to be more difficult for BYU to figure things out in all of this than others because they're so dependent on what other schools do. They're really not in control of their own destiny, which has got to be frustrating. And you hate that term, I know. Yes, I do. Uh, well, this is such a strange phenomenon that's going on right now. Uh, teams like uh, schools like BYU are unprepared for this because who could have prepared for this? You know, I mean, I you could make the argument that governments should have prepared for this, but for a school like BYU to have had some contingency plan in place, it's just... It's just uh, no one could have seen something like this uh, creating a problem. So they're probably scrambling to talk to other schools in case that's the way it really does go down. And, 
and if they do, then every, a number of schools will be scrambling. But uh, I just hope it doesn't come to the scenario where BYU is playing New Mexico State twice. It may very well come to that if, if they're not allowed to play a, a full schedule. Or, you know what, I, I was thinking about, Gordon, and, and don't ask questions you don't know the answer to, of course, but, you know, how are buyouts affected in all of this? Yeah. I mean, would, mm-hmm. you know, if, if all these teams decide they can't play BYU, do they owe BYU millions? Because that would soften the blow a bit, no? And in these contracts, are there provisions made for strange circumstances like right. this? Right. I, I have no idea about that, but that you know, as comprehensive as you want to be and as thorough as you want to be in making out these deals, I, I, I don't know whether anybody had any clause in there in the case of a pandemic. I, I have no idea. I'm sure there are certain clauses in there that that you can get out of, but I don't. I have no idea what's in, included yeah. in something like that. I mean, if, if there is such clause, can they just say, "Well, BYU, good luck and." Wish we could have played the game, but have a and nice if, day, you know. And if there isn't a clause like that, then then the the schools owe BYU all kinds of favors moving forward, hmm. or owe them anything at all. I don't I don't know, but yeah. I, I I would think if if this is the solution that that conferences go with, which in a way, in a way doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I mean, you know, you're still traveling, right? You're you're still going out on the road. I mean. Conference or non-conference does does it matter if you're playing? I, I yeah, kinda, I'm not, I don't I don't know if I yeah. get that. And the eleven only, games only, that's only one game shorter, so you're not right. really even shortening uh, shortening the season. So what are you what are you accomplishing with that? That seems kind of dumb. Yeah, I don't get that necessarily. It is say you're delaying the start of the season until uh, October. Well, then I get it. You you sandwich in eight or nine conference games as best you can, and you know you couldn't get in the full twelve this year, so non-conference was a casualty. But if you're going to play eleven, why not just proceed with business as usual? Yeah, that seems reasonable to me. Even if you do have to extend the back end of it out a little bit, uh, uh, that that would make more sense to me at this point. Uh, if you're going to save a month. Then okay, but then you couldn't play eleven conference games. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, you'd have to pretty much start on time to get in an eleven conference game. So, and yeah. you just mentioned it. You know, if they push it back, maybe that's a different story. But if you push it back, why not push back the whole season? Yeah, with the contractual obligations, you'd think they would just let it be. Yeah, I don't know, and, and find another solution uh, rather than load in other games that you hadn't had planned for certain teams to play. And with, like I said, those obligations could be severe. So, I mean, that's something for folks to think about. And I I know right now people are brainstorming, and uh, just because you're brainstorming doesn't mean that's the way it's going to go. And these things have a tendency to leak. Uh, But, uh, I mean, if it comes down to worrying about whether you're going to play a regular slate of 12 games or an abridged slate of 11 games, then most people who aren't affiliated with certain schools like BYU would probably be uh, putting up a whole lot of cheers right now, meaning that uh, college football was proceeding pretty much as planned. Yeah. Yeah, but BYU's in it. This is the thing with being independent. You're going it alone. You know, in a situation like this, at least if you have a conference, you've got a number of schools that you can kind of figure something out together and i guess you could you could say byu and the independents will get together i did i i remember when we brought this up when i think it was brett mcmurphy who reported last week or two weeks ago that the independent schools had had talked 
about what they would do if the other leagues just did conference only and the initial report said, you know, BYU had not been included. And it, it just makes me laugh because you're telling me if, if BYU called up Liberty and uh, an army in New Mexico State and said, uh, hey, we'd like to be part of your solution, they would say, mm-hmm. oh, no, thanks. Never yeah. mind. We're good. We've got uh, we've got uh, the Aggies in New Mexico State. It's a big draw, so uh, have a good yeah. one. You know, that's that's <laughs> obviously ridiculous. But that yeah. would be, I mean, that would be worst-case scenario to, to only play those other independent teams and, and have to play them multiple times. Because, I mean, Notre Dame will just get absorbed into the ACC, I would guess, in whatever their solution is going to be. You would think so. So going back to 10 years, 10 or 11 years, whatever it was, when BYU was uh, planning to uh, do their independent thing, do you think that uh, if they knew that uh, 11 seasons into the future they would run into this problem, that it would have uh, altered their decision-making about going independent? I don't know. I don't think it would have. I, I doubt Because it. it's just one year, Jake. It's, it's, it's one complicated year. And uh, and then that maybe I'm thinking optimistically that uh, solutions will be found and it will not affect uh, uh, in any severe way future seasons after that. I'm I'm counting on all those really smart people out there in the world to uh, come up with a solution. And if they do, then then I don't think uh, I don't think that really one season kind of jumbled would not have changed BYU's course. Now, there might be other arguments to be made, like you've made some of them in the past, and okay then. But uh, anyway, I guess it really doesn't matter one way or the other. Well, I I like it that they're working on solutions. i got to admit, I don't understand. I understood playing, I mean, not to, to uh, go around in circles here, but I certainly understand it, uh, understood, understand it. How about that for grammar? Uh, I certainly understood, hey, if you've got to delay things and you're not going to start the season until later, or if you want to get the season in earlier, you know, mm-hmm. because you're worried about uh, the conditions in the fall, well, that totally makes sense to me. Just play conference games. You know, you're, you know, for the most part, in the same geographic area. Travel will be would be different. I mean, in the Pac-12, you could honestly drive to all your road trips if you really wanted to not that they would but i mean it's it's close enough you could uh, you could work with travel if that became a necessity so i get that and wait, wait wait you're gonna drive from arizona state to washington no i'm just saying it's possible i don't i don't think mm. they'd do it especially you know flight charters and those sorts of things so it was more making the point that if you had to have flexibility to travel that's a lot easier to do when you're going from you know san francisco to portland as opposed to or Eugene, I guess, as opposed to, you know, going across the country to... Where's Liberty? What state's that in? Virginia? Virginia. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit more difficult. That was really the only point I was trying to make. Like, those sorts of things I understand. And if you're shortening the season, go to just conference members. That makes sense to me. But if you're going to play 11 games anyway, why not play one more game and just leave it as is? That That's yeah. where I'm kind of caught on this thing that doesn't and make if you have, sense yeah. to me. And if you have to push the season back, then you push the season back a week or two. And I know that's not simple to do, but it's better than breaking contracts, I think. Maybe they're trying to eliminate non-conference games going forward permanently. <laughs> Only play a conference schedule and that's it? Give them one warm-up, play uh, an FCS team, and then go right Does into conference? Does anybody do that? I don't think so, no. I mean, not not at the D1 level. Hmm. Yeah, I I wouldn't be a huge fan of that. Although I I do see for those who would be proponents of such a plan to have that kind of consistency in your schedule. And that way you would get to play every 
conference member unless you're in one of those bloated conferences that uh, there's no way you can get that done it, it would but, as much as i love watching utah play san jose state it would give us more comma better games yeah especially yeah. for these conferences where they just don't schedule non-conference games i mean but it has- would also eliminate the, the the really cool games that at times could be uh could be uh, concocted, and it affects uh, the budgets of the you know the schools that play money games. You know, which well, goes, you think that Notre Dame, USC isn't going to get played? I don't know. If there was a movement, I I think they need to force Notre Dame and BYU that matter for that matter into a league anyway. But that's probably a pipe dream. Well, but, everybody wants uh, Notre Dame. I don't know how many conferences want BYU. I know, but figure out a place for them to fit. That's not going to happen. I mean, you know, that's just my preference. What does that matter? (laughs) But if there were some universal movement just to play conference games, that would be really interesting. Well, you know what it would do? It would further fracture and regionalize the the whole uh, landscape of college football. And then I would have no problem with doing that as long as you expanded the playoff at the end of the season so that every conference could be represented. Yeah. All right, coming up next, we've got the Not Sports Report. Stay tuned for that. What's going on at the top of the 5 o'clock hour? We've got a really good uh, drop of the day for you at 5.30 or or sounds of various clips, depending on who you are. What? (laughs) Jake, I've got an admission, a confession. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. The Not Sports Report is going to be a little cheesy today. Oh, that's better than a huge downer. Mm -hmm. Or, Or is it a huge downer? No, well, no. Austin's shaking his head like it's a huge downer. No, well, it's, it's a day of the ends and why. So, so it's going to be. A, it's not a huge downer. <laughs> no, a little bit of a downer. Well, it's oh, boy. Uh, adapting out of a downer into an upper. And you've got a confession to make. That's not good. No, I already you made know? the confession. Oh, okay, sorry. it's cheesy. It's cheesy. Oh, okay. I was hoping the confession would be something like you know, lots of people wear adult diapers, Gordon. It's okay. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> You really have been sitting around in your bathrobe and briefs. No, I'm not that old. No. no. I mean, again, I'm in athletic attire today. <laughs> Casual. Basketball shorts? A- athle- athletic. Basketball shorts? Yes. I have basketball fishing shorts. Fishing hat? Uh, no, not a fishing hat. I have a, gol- I have a golfing hat on today. And a, uh, I have a T-shirt with a Volkswagen, a traditional old-style VW uh, van on it. Okay. Well, the basketball shorts aren't a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> They're not sports well, sport. Two ways of looking at it. Either I'm, 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 I'm dressed for comfort or I'm dressed for action. Stay tuned. More next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Ah, Big show, 
Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong play of the game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE, and correctly identify the Chevy Strong play of the game. Announced by DJ and PK this morning at 8.50, and you'll win a zone prize packets. The Chevy Strong play of the game brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Just be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. I liked this morning's. It was good. They did a good job. Very appropriate. All right. Right now, it's time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, uh, what cheesy place are we going today? Sorry. We're going to France. Okay. Never been to France? No, I have not. Never, never been, huh? No. No, never. I have not, not been. No, I think I would remember. Okay, so uh, apparently, and this is close to my heart because it has to do with cheese, all right? Okay. Um, Have you, well, first of all, what's your favorite kind of cheese? I got to admit, I'm not a a real cheese connoisseur, Gordon, so I guess my my, boring answer for you, like cheddar? I don't know. I'm a cheese fanatic, but I'm not a connoisseur. I want to see how many kinds of cheese you can name. I'm not, I had Havarti cheese with dill the other day. I don't want to do that. What, what, what are we Just doing? Just try it. Cheddar and what else? Swiss. Anything else? Singles. <laughs> you are so limited in your cheese knowledge. I agree. I'm very I mean, limited. It's true. Austin, you want to take a crack at it? Uh, I'm actually on the phone doing our contest here, but I like cheese too. <laughs> I'm glad he's listening to the show. <laughs> anyway, okay. The reason I bring it up is because there has been a patriotic call in France for the French to buy and eat cheese. Why do you ask? Because in April, there uh, the, all the cheesemakers in France were put into a bit of a quandary, like a lot of businesses have been where they couldn't sell their cheese in open markets. They couldn't sell them to restaurants over there. And so there were over 2,000 uh, 2, pounds or 2,000 tons. 2,000 tons. 2,000 tons of cheese that should have been sold in the month of April. And they have 1,500 tons remain unsold. And the cheese is going to expire Uh Sometime today. Sometime today, I don't think I don't think they're going to make it. Well, the call went out earlier. I don't know. Let's see. When did the call go out? The call went out uh, five days ago. Oh, jeez! I think so. They... Every everybody in France is being encouraged to buy and eat cheese. I think I just ate too much cheese. I, I think was it the Netherlands that did something similar with French fries? Yes. Yes, they did. Was it the Netherlands or was it some uh, some place? No, it was uh, the Belgium. Dutch. Belgium. It was Belgium. <laughs> I they love were, cheese. Be, Man, they had you, I love cheese. We all have uh, some sort of weaknesses in our lives, and you give me a bunch of good pieces of cheese, and guess what? I'm going to eat them. Oh, <laughs> yes, That's disappointing. Uh, uh, the uh, the folks in Belgium were asked to eat French fries, or as they say, they're pomme frites. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm all for this. I think this is a fantastic idea. In fact, I have a piece of cheese in my hand right now. 
I'm not if, addicted to cheese, but Jake, I like it a whole what lot. If, what if in this country it was it was something else that you you enjoy less? Like what if in this country it was it <laughs> well, was spam? Well, would, not, would you participate? <laughs> it's not. It's cheese, and so that's why I'm highlighting it. Do you know all the Do you know all the positives to eating cheese? Now, this may be coming from a propaganda sheet. I'm not 100 percent sure, so I can't I can't vouch for every one of these. But let me give you 15 health benefits of cheese. 15. Okay. Yes, gravy. We cheese are up can, against a break. Thank cheese. God. Cheese can prevent osteoporosis. Next. Cheese can have a positive effect on your dental health. Cheese consumption can help you gain weight in a healthy way. Cheese is the best dietary source for calcium. Cheese is an excellent source of protein. That's five. Che- cheese is high in vitamin B12. Cheese can uh, can reverse hypertension by lowering blood pressure. Cheese provides the essential fat, CLA, whatever that is. Cheese can help prevent common cancers, this thing the says. the documentary? Cheese is plentiful in healthy fats. Cheese is a good choice for pregnant women. Cheese helps you build muscle. Cheese benefits the immune system. Cheese is abundant in the vital vitamin K2. And cheese is good for your thyroid health. So everybody, eat cheese. (laughs) He's done. Let's see here. Uh, (laughs) Key Womb is in second, Austin. Key Womb is yeah, uh, five and one. My hey, heroes, hey, hey, uh, my hey. heroes are five and one. Uh, do so. You, know, you know the worst insult you can give someone in radio is pretend you didn't hear them. Oh, I heard you. Well, you're pretending like you didn't. No, I, uh, I'm just asking. Austin asked about the Korean baseball league scores and standings. Well, pardon me, I'm in the middle of my cheese rant. We no, heard you did it. all fifteen. Yeah, we got it. I didn't interrupt you. Jeez, man. Yeah, cheese. It, it helps with osteoporosis. I got it. But the 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 heroes are five Can't and one for that. The heroes, heroes for, huh? Your Bears, Gordon, are at three and two, and uh, the uh, Austin Samsung Lions are at two and four. Coming back. You're only a game behind Gordon. Our defense or is that two games. Our defense Gordon? is like Swiss cheese, but we'll we'll get there. But I'm feeling good about uh, Key Womb at five and one. Although they're in second, they're a game behind. How do you pronounce this, Austin? L O T T E. Latte. I don't know. I don't Note. either. Gordon, you want to take a stab at it? What? <laughs> you know, the, the, the greatest insult in radio is somebody who's not listening. <laughs> what? Oh, <laughs> pouty. What is, Damn right. What? I'm talking about one of my favorite subjects, and you guys act as though I didn't even speak. You just gave us 15 reasons for cheese is good for you. Well... There's benefit to that. What if, a lot of I didn't listen to eighth grade to... health class either. What about our lactose intolerant listeners? Yeah. Well, then they would probably want to go a different way. Do you know my brother-in-law from New Zealand says they don't have orange cheese in New Zealand? Is that interesting? <laughs> I don't know. As long as we're just saying stuff, that's no. That's nowhere near as interesting as the vital information I was. Let's presenting. vote eight five five three four nine. Okay. How many of our listeners, I bet you more of our listeners like cheese than don't. And I bet many of our <laughs> listeners found, found that to be very interesting, the health benefits of cheese. And now it, it can help you, you gain patriotic. weight, but in the healthy way. What? <laughs> Stop it. Get out of here with that. Doesn't it? Yeah, I got, a, I got a little suspicious on some of those because it sounded like it was a superfood. The best was, uh, source of calcium. You know what's good source of calcium? Calcium! You can't beat that. <laughs> 
All right. Did we pay enough attention to the cheese? No, but it's okay. I mean, it just reminds me. It's good for your dental health, right? You you bite it into a hard piece of Roquefort and call me later. I I chew it like gum. (laughs) (laughs) I I'm never going to talk about cheese on this show again. Oh, that's That's not. Yeah, that is not true. <laughs> you hate that word. I can't believe I, I just heard you say that. I know. I can't stand it. But uh, anyway, I, I do. You did hurt my feelings. How did I hurt your feelings? I was because you ignored me. I and here I was, all excited about the subject, and I was passing along vital information to our listeners, and you start talking Korean baseball. You asked me to name as many cheeses as I could think of. That's not <laughs> pr- a productive use of our time. I remember we did a show back in the year that uh, Green Bay was in the Super Bowl and they were playing, I think it was Super Bowl 33. And so we had our listeners named, uh, I bet I bet Kevin that our listeners could come up with 33 different kinds of cheese, 33 standing for the number in the Super Bowl. And uh, by golly, they did it. They did it. That internet's a hell of a thing. Did you? Did you? This is uh, probably back before the internet. No, 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 no. Win an award for that broadcast? <laughs> well, I did found you it. Did you win a UB for that? Uh, <laughs> for that thrilling uh, piece of broadcast history? <laughs> uh, I thought it was kind of fun. Good, good. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad. And our listeners really were creative coming up with, and they they nailed it, man. I think we ended up with like 36 different types. Just a. Just to prove to myself if you can find anything uh, on the uh, um, internet, let me health. I'm googling this health benefits to smoking. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it relaxes you. <laughs> from Boy. live from live science, it's five, a social uh, event. Five health benefits of smoking. Get out of here! It, really? it helps pad the taxes in our country. Hold on, hold on. Uh, I I got uh, hit with the. Uh, if you're smoking, you're let not doing just, other drugs. Hold on, I got to hit the ad blocker. Let me just tell our younger listeners that this is a bunch of bull here. <laughs> well, what Jake was, is about to say, which is not uncommon, it's going to be a bunch cheese of cheese is a good advice. Yeah, that seriously. <laughs> was that from the National Dairy Association? <laughs> <laughs> How about this? Smoking lowers risk of knee replacement surgery. What? <laughs> smoking lowers risk of Parkinson's disease. Smoking lowers risk of obesity. Okay. Maybe we should not do this. <laughs> smoking Someone's lower... going to hear you say just this, and that's... Smoking lowers risk of death after some heart attacks. What? The ones where you well, die? Where are you, where are you getting this information? Uh, let's see. Smokers.com? Uh, this is livescience.com. <laughs> Science. I don't think I would throw in with any of those. I don't either, but I'm not buying your your cheese thing either. I will say it's probably healthier to eat cheese than to smoke. Probably. <laughs> well, we're but is that really tomorrow? Has that really been proven though? <laughs> <laughs> How about smoked cheese? Ah, a and smoked all, gouda, and it all comes together. All right, coming up next, of of course. I, I hate to be the butt of jokes here. I, I should be responsible and say that, yeah, I don't endorse what I just read there. I just was curious. Joe as to, Camel here. You, you could find uh, anything's good for you on the Internet. I don't want to be the butt of a joke here. I heard Mom, it. I, I heard it the first not. time. You I did. Didn't get it. No, you I get I, it. I, I did. missed it. Cigarettes right. have butts. Yeah. Right. God, that joke stinks. 
Oh, hey, see, that was funny. <laughs> okay. All right, you guys ruined a good segment. You absolutely ruined a good segment. Fine. I'm sorry? Is that, that better? Let's just move on. Okay, all right. What's <laughs> going on? talking about cheese again. What's ever. going on is coming up next. Uh, we've got a couple of clips from DJ and PK this morning talking about the MG, uh, the Michael Jordan docu-series and uh, what's going on with the NBA. Stay tuned. We'll get to it all. Coming up next, Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Well, you don't have to search for the cheese, and you want to know where the cheese is before you slap the money on the barrel to go watch a game, right?